1: and welcome to episode 365 of the battery power podcast i am your host brad roland it is sunday august 28th and i am joined as i often am by eric cole hello sir how are you
2: i'm doing well i'm 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 doing better than you are at the moment you're uh, having to you know go back to old locales to record the podcast so um, i'm i'm hopeful that everything is at least turning out a little bit better
1: uh than what you had to do was yeah we don't often start the podcast with personal anecdotes but i i basically woke up Uh, Over the weekend to about an inch and a half, maybe two inches of standing water in my apartment, Uh, and it was not as a result of the weather, it was a what I learned later to be a a water heater calamity. So that was fun. Uh, I've been forced out of my podcast studio slash second bedroom, the carpet is up, all kinds of stuff that's gone wrong. Uh, So I'm recording. In fact, this is sort of a throwback. I am standing up in my closet where I used to record the podcast. And uh, this is the best place to record. Thank God, Eric, this is an audio medium because uh, my living room right now has about three times as much furniture as usual. So it's, uh, it's quite a scene here at Roland Manor. So it's nice. <laughs>
2: Roland fun. Manor yeah. afforded with all those podcast dollars that we're raking in. Apparently so. The- um, yeah. Also,
1: also it's 1130 p.m. because the Braves played uh, a night game with a rain delay on this fine Sunday evening. So I appreciate your service. Scott was unavailable in a late night slot where Scott is usually the, the, the sort of the go to three hours behind us. But you are a gamer and uh, we, joked, we joked about this, but it was a it was an absolute luck. They a rain delay or something was coming either rain delay or extra innings and uh Uh, we got got, got rain delay tonight
2: it was really close to both yeah it was really close to the dreaded rain delay and uh, i mean i I can only assume that scott is just mad at me for whatever reason uh because but at the same time you know i'm like I, i love being on the show and talking baseball uh you know it might be a little bit of a more of a brisk show because both you and i are recording uh under less than optimal circumstances with our sleep schedules, slash, you know, our li- domiciles being flooded by water. So, but, you know, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm still pretty excited to talk about baseball, which honestly, you know, all, all things being said, was actually a pretty good week.
1: Yeah. I, it doesn't feel that way. I'm sure we'll get into this. If you listen to this podcast, you probably know that the Braves did post a winning week. It was, it, they went, they went four and two this week. It does not feel as good as we thought it was going to feel when they started the week with four straight wins. They get, uh, they lose the last two games over the weekend, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, To start the podcast on a more favorable note, um, I want to just go ahead and say, please subscribe to this podcast network. Um, Battery Power Podcast Network, we have four shows basically operating in unison for the price of $0 on the same podcast feed. So if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We cover the Braves each and every day on this feed, and please subscribe and tell your friends. But um, beyond that, a sweep in Pittsburgh is where we'll start. Uh, Monday was the most competitive game And then they had kind of a pretty lopsided win on Tuesday and then a very lopsided win on Wednesday. Um, Quickly, we'll sort of fly through these, but uh, Jake Odorizzi, who was actually a, a big story tonight as well, um, pitched well against a admittedly pretty bad Pittsburgh Pirates offense on Monday. That's, Good that's to see him bounce generous. back. Yes, that's uh, a generous
2: description of that <laughs> offense
1: uh, for sure. And uh, you know, Scott and I talked about this last week on the show, but we kind of thought there was some pressure on Odorizzi in that start, not necessarily earned pressure, but. Um, I, and some of the takes were pretty funny about Odorizzi, in my opinion, which I, does, which I did, which I did express last week. About there was a lot of panic about a guy who uh, is a veteran; like he doesn't just, he's not just suddenly terrible. But I did think that if he if he had pitched poorly against Pittsburgh, uh, a bad offense, as we just discussed, uh, it would have been a little bit of uh, alarming for some. And he was quite good in that start and uh, they ended up winning the game despite very little from the offense they had the uh, basically it was just a two run homer by Michael Harris who had another good week um but nothing else of note other than Ronald Acuna had two hits but it was the first win all season long for the Braves with four or less hits and uh they got it behind Jacob Torzzi so the combination of those two things having their fewest hits in a win all year and Odorese being on the mound not like not likely necessarily but uh I guess they got for the Pirates
2: yeah, it was actually the one game that I thought was like could be a real problem because you know I'm not saying that Odorizzi's bad, but I just it felt like over the course of that game that it really just felt like that would be one of those just dumb losses that you could just take, just because I mean like I think I think Pittsburgh is like genuinely awful, yes. And I think their I think their ownership situation is borderline like criminally negligent, but at the same time, you know it's just you know with Odorizzi, like I wouldn't be surprised if he gave up three or four runs against the Pirates, and you know you're just gonna have games coming off a really like a high point the previous week you know, you're just going to have some letdown games here and there. And like, I thought that was a game that they could very well lose. So, you know, I, you know, I, that's kind of, you know, look, you know, pulling back the big picture, I wouldn't have been like completely shocked if like four and two is just what ended up happening this past week, just because again, you know, weird things happen. There was a getaway game. Now we'll talk a little bit about what happened in that getaway game as well as, you know, the Braves don't seem to be play very well in the middle of the day. Uh, they seem to exercise a lot of those demons on Wednesday, but again, I just felt like that there was like a, a winning two out of three out of Pittsburgh seemed like you know not ideal because you're trying to chase down a Mets team that you know seemingly will just refuses to lose and um, I'm certain that there are Mets fans that feel the same way about the Braves uh, one in particular who's very vocal in his uh, <laughs> displeasure for every time the Braves do anything good he's just he's kind of over it but at the same time you know it, I understand why that's frustrating but I, I I take it I took it like you know getting a sweep over any team in baseball is not something you should expect. You should you should just aim to win the series and kind of like average out to winning the series over the course of a week. And the Braves did that. You know, the, the offense was very impressive over the last two games. Uh, Odorizzi did look better in that game. He was just kind of locating his pitches better. It seemed like he was getting kind of getting the feedback from, from hitters that he wants and kind of swinging at the pitches that he wants and swinging at. Uh, Michael Harris is still very, very good. Uh, I was very happy to see Max Freed was really, really good in the next game as well but you know again it was just a really really good series uh, punctuated by an absolute beatdown there on Wednesday
1: yeah and uh, to your point there we always kind of stress this on the podcast like you cannot just bank on a sweep in a 3 or 4 game series against any opponent this is uh this is baseball things happen that are weird especially on the road um obviously a sweep was in play and that's what ended up happening but if you were projecting the series. The most likely outcome was a 2-1 series win. Um, and the Braves obviously did better than that, sweeping the series, but it is just what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, Tuesday was kind of a weird one in that they scored five of the six runs at once, including a home run by Travis darno Long had a good had a good game, and then you mentioned Max Fried, who was dominant again against that bad Pirates offense. And the Pirates, by the way, had the second worst run differential in the national league and the worst offense in the national league by run scored this year. So I, we're not just like speculating. I, they are I, actually that I, bad.
2: I would, I would have guessed that easily based on just the first, they're really, really bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, actually the national, the nationals have a worse run differential than the pirates and a worse record than the pirates, but the nationals just can't stop anyone. They uh, have well, the most, Patrick, well,
2: yeah. P- pitching Patrick Corbin every fifth day will do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the Rockies have actually allowed I've actually allowed the most runs, but given its course feel, that's not a huge surprise. That's part of it there. But uh, the Nationals just cannot stop anyone. Anyway, um, you mentioned it, but you know, the Wednesday 14 to 2 getaway day afternoon victory. The Braves, like you said, have been awful at times uh, under the uh, under the daylight, but uh, basically just a barrage of offense. In that one, they had a five-run inning, they had a six-run inning. Uh Matt Olsen had a grand slam into the river in Pittsburgh. Um, and then <laughs> that was they, a
2: good that was a good one. Yeah.
1: That was uh certainly a fun moment uh to have. Uh, i uh, we're of course uh we enjoy Matt Olson's work on this podcast. And then like they didn't really need it, but Kyle Wright uh was awesome as well uh, against the again aforementionedly bad uh Pittsburgh offense. It was kind of funny because Wright, I think, probably could have thrown a complete game shot out, <laughs> if I had to guess. Like he had he threw 73 pitches in seven innings. Like he definitely would not have come out of the game had they not been up by a million. Um, and I wonder if he could have thrown a shutout. out, but given how like obviously they want to be careful with him, he had a dead arm recently, et cetera. Like it was the right decision to take him out. I just thought it was pretty funny. Like they were on, on the way to, to a potential complete game, but that, that you just don't see very often, but they just didn't need it because they were up by what, 10 runs.
2: Well, that, you know, going into the last month of the season, why make throw more pitches yep. than he has to, uh, there's going to there's gonna be situations where you might have to, you know, Bring in some extra starters to give extra guys extra days off and things like that. When you have an opportunity like that, where he's giving you seven innings and you can get him out of there on 73 pitches in a game. that like, it would require you to like bring back Sean Newcomb and, you know, tell him to throw right-handed to lose. Wow. Shots and, fired at
1: Sean Newcomb on a Sunday. Inter- interesting. I didn't know we were going hey, back well, there. It's yeah.
2: I'm, yeah. <laughs> i mean you could i guess i could have gone with the johnny gomes you know like bring him out of retirement you know, dan colb
1: just go go, go real so, old school with like a dan no, colb reference or something
2: uh, I, I like it i like it uh yes. yeah so you know but you get that opportunity you just have to take it um and you know unfortunately the shutout ends up going away as a result but you know again you win 14 that's okay to two. yeah <laughs> and, you know, so there's there's there certainly people that are going to care about you know like you know shut out how can you pull them uh there are certainly some of those in my mentions over the course of the week that you know, pulling starter, you know, pulling starters out before you know they think that they're done, and you know, let them go again, let them keep going, et cetera, et cetera, But you know, at the end of the day, you want to preserve these guys and keep them healthy and fresh, kind of going into the last, last month of the season, which is proving to be very important. Uh so you know, overall it was, you know, look, Bill Contreras had a really good week. The the offense uh had was largely very good, except for the first and last game. So um, overall, from the Pittsburgh series, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They did even better probably than what they were projected for. So you you get three wins there, and then you get into this weekend series against the Cardinals, which, uh, you know, was a series that happened, and it was kind of unfortunate in some ways.
1: (laughs) Was a series that happened indeed. Just to put a point on the Pittsburgh series before we move on, um, at the end of Wednesday, the Braves had cut the lead, or deficit in their case, Uh, in the National League East to one and a half games. Um, The Braves did not play on Thursday and the Mets won. So it was back to two by the time I played again on Friday. But um, that was as close as it had been in a long time. So one and a half games was where they were in that spot. And uh, that's all the kind of taking care of business kind of thing. Uh, We will talk about the uh, Carl series in depth, as well as the latest news and all the other fun stuff happening around this team right now. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Eric, let us dive in to the more favorable of the results over the weekend, which was Friday's blowout win, 11-4 in St. Louis. That was the 15th win in 17 games for the Braves, so 15-2 over that stretch. Also the 10th consecutive road win, which is uh, difficult to do. Uh, you know home road splits are not always quite as huge in baseball as some other sports but still it's always easier, easier to play at home than on the road so to uh, win test straight on the road is pretty impressive and to do it in pretty lopsided fashion at 16 hits and 6 walks in the game on Friday Contreras Olsen etc uh, special strider was really good in that game. Uh, obviously, basically, the that was the fourth straight start this week, where uh, I believe, yeah, all four guys who had pitched at that point this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, allowed one or run or fewer. Um, and the only thing that really happened that was bad on Friday was Jackson Stevens getting hit in the head with a line drive. That was kind of scary, but other yeah, than was that, scary. uh, other than that, there was uh, not a whole lot to uh, be be frustrated about i guess we can get into the bullpen stuff later and having to I, I shouldn't say having to choosing to use uh both mentor and iglesias in that game kind of maybe bit them a little bit tonight but um other than that thoughts on friday before we move on to the uh, less fun stuff from saturday and sunday well i'm
2: gonna go ahead and talk about this bullpen stuff now it, it, like i understand that maybe that they wanted to get like Minter and Iglesias time on the mound, you know, that they, that for whatever reason, they just wanted to kind of get them in a routine or at least get them, th- get, get them thrown some pitches or something like that. But going into this last month of the season, just it did not make much sense to me. And you're going against the Cardinals team. That is good. <laughs> you know, you're going to have, you're going to have some close games. I don't know why you throw those guys in that particular game. Um, obviously you know going kind of going back a bit Spencer Strider was really really good. that was a matchup. This is actually a matchup that I was a little bit worried about for Strider because the Cardinals are not dissimilar from the Mets offensively in the sense that they have a lot of guys who are really kind of pesky and grind out at bats and that's where Strider can struggle at times uh, when you can't when he can't strike out a bunch of guys. Uh, you know, getting those long seven, eight, nine pitch at bats and you know, it shortens the outing. And you know, there's hard guys to strike out, but that's not what happened. He just kind of blew guys away, uh, you know, throwing 98, 99, top of the top of the zone. Good luck hitting it. The the slider was working, you know, he, had, he was breaking out some good change-ups here and there. So, really good night for him. Uh, I'm very, very happy that Jackson Stevens got out with you know, he had to go on to the concussion IL and got replaced with Jay Jackson. Uh, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like completely unscathed, but when any pitcher gets hit with a line drive like that, it's, it's scary. You know, you just, you you just wait for like really, really bad news. I watched probably one of the more horrific videos from the minor leagues I ever have is when a guy got hit by a line drive and the, the result was significantly less good than that. Um, but you get good nights from, you know, William Contreras again, Matt Olson had a good night. I mean, it was kind of hard to find anyone who was particularly upsetting, uh, on Friday with the notable exception of Ronald Acuña who played in that game and got you know thrown out at the plate uh but the whole game he was clearly favoring his knee and he was really running around gingerly that wasn't the best of news you wonder how the you know Saturday and Sunday would have gone if you could have had Ronald Acuña Jr in your lineup uh but the Braves absolutely made the right decision it's very possible that he could have played but yeah frustrating uh frustrating situation Overall, just kind of, you know, not having Ronnie around, seeing what could have happened if he was actually playing in that game because he was pretty beat up.
1: Yeah, I mean, you bring up Ronnie. Uh, It's a good time we sort of address this now, sort of the latest there, because he didn't play play Saturday or Sunday. Could have, I mean, there were a couple times on Sunday where I thought he might pinch hit, and he didn't. Um, He sat those two games, um, by all accounts, from what they're saying. uh, I think Bowman reported this today. Of course, they are, they have the off day on Monday as well. They're expecting him to play on Tuesday. Um, he probably could have played this weekend and just didn't because that they're trying to take, take it easy on him. I know there's there's just a faction of Braves fan that just like can't understand why they are taking it easy with him, and I don't think it's that difficult to be honest. Like this is your franchise guy who is signed for a long time, and you don't you don't want to run him out there if he's not going to be him, himself and have it risk getting worse. I think it's pretty straight ahead in some respects. Um, apparently it's been bothering him more, um, when, when it comes to like running and like, especially on a wet field or anything like that, but just full on running than it is actually just like, hitting. I think hitting is not really the problem. It's just like everything else at the moment. So, um, again, and by the way, Tuesday, did you happen to see who's starting for the Rockies on Tuesday?
2: <laughs> uh, I am already dreading the Urania busting Ronnie inside. I'm not going to be surprised if he's aiming for Ronnie's legs either. Uh, so, yes, I was aware that that was the uh, projected starting pitcher for Colorado. Former is... former
1: Marlins, uh, I almost said Mar- Marlins legend. whatever you want to say that, Jose Arena um, is on the mound for the Rockies. Mar- here Mar- this.
2: Marlins cast off.
1: Yeah, uh, Jose Urania, so, and uh, he who, and Ronnie have a long, a long-standing relationship of some kind. So there you go.
2: Well, um, it's not like it's not like Jose Urania's made a lot of friends around the league. Period. I mean, he definitely doesn't like Ronnie, and the you know the history between those two is very well documented. But it's not like Jose Urania doesn't have a history of you know headhunting guys who you know do good things against him or the teams that he go, that he plays for. So uh, it's definitely a concern I have uh, overall. Uh, I would love for Ronnie to hit one about 450 feet off of him. But uh overall, my bigger concern is just again watching Ronnie run around. It's it's clearly that his knee is sore and it's bothering him. And, you know, I know he said that it bothers him more running, right? I mean and that might just be the case right now. Uh, but he's also said in the past that sometimes that when he's hitting, it bothers him more than others. And, you know, I don't know if the solution is there. You know, rest is clearly a very strong, uh strongly recommended course of action. Uh, but I don't I don't know if even like a knee brace would help. I don't I don't I don't know. Right now he's just Again, he's sore. He's coming off knee surgery and a guy posts knee surgery running around the way Ronnie does. Uh, I'm certain doesn't help matters. Uh in that, you know, it's not like Ronnie's gonna take a ton of plays off. Uh, and you know, anytime that he it does do what he's told me, he takes plays off, he has half of Braves fan base yelling at him for not hustling enough, which drives <laughs> me crazy. Um, but again, you know, he hasn't looked this he has not looked like himself this season. It's very clear that's the case. And you know you're going to need him to maybe not if he, if he's not peak ronnie that's one thing but you need him to be productive you need especially uh if he's in the lineup he's going to be at the top of it and this whole this lineup is better with him in it so you know giving him a couple days giving him the off day on monday and hopefully he can get back to right being right on colorado and hopefully jose urania has learned that you know throwing at ronnie uh for sport isn't the best idea i, I imagine that that would end poorly for all those involved that they did that but and you always worried about a team like Colorado who doesn't seem to have much. They have nothing to lose at this point. Again, a little bit concerning, but overall, my my biggest thing is it's more like you know giving Ronnie the rest and seeing how things go on Tuesday before I kind of have any more concern beyond that. But seeing him run around that first game, uh, he didn't look right.
1: Yeah, and you know they have a sticker as a tendency, and this strength deficit tendency. If they if they haven't if they haven't another off day on the following day, like. The extra day. It makes sense. I think obviously they could have used him tonight, but it's one of those things where if you have the day tomorrow, giving him three full days off is probably a good idea. Um, And we'll see what happens on Tuesday. But, uh, you know, as long as he plays there and looks like himself, no one will be panicking. Um, And listen, it might just be a situation where he needs the offseason, a full one. Like, you know, he came back in a year from less than a year from the ACL. And maybe he just needs the offseason to get it to get it strengthened and just have the rest and that's required to like have it be like a hundred percent again, like an actual hundred percent. And maybe that's just gonna be what what the deal is here the rest of the way. So just keep that in mind. But he is uh, you know, he missed his last two games and hopefully back in the lineup on Tuesday. Um to the two losses here. So Saturday ends up being a six-five loss. They led the game four nothing and then again they led to five to two. Um Darno hit a three-run home run, was the biggest play on offense in Saturday's game. Charlie Morton was not his best self, gave up a pair of two-run homers on Saturday. He'd been really good, as we talked about last week with Scott and I, for about two months before uh, before Saturday, he'd been really good. He wasn't, like, terrible, but he wasn't very good, wasn't very crisp on Saturday, and uh, also walked three guys, but um, they were still leading the game at the end. Uh, It was 5-4 to when Morton exited, um, and then... Kenley Jansen had one of his worst outings of, of the season, um, both bad. And I, I will, I will say a little bit unlucky as well, particularly the infield single that was uh, just kind yeah, of placed in the good. right spot to tie the game. Um, I will say it, it's not, that's not to, to excuse Kenley who was not very good in that game, but uh, if that goes a little bit differently, maybe they don't lose at that point. Maybe they just go to go to extras or whatever, but uh, double walk hit by pitch. That was the one that's crazy. And Oh, two count hit by pitch to load the bases is a tough one. And then you walk home the winning run as well. So, you know, Kenley has been good this year, but that was not his best. And uh, that was just one of those nights in a lot of ways. Like there wasn't anything strategically that really bothered me too much. It was just like guys that you normally rely on. IE Kelly Jansen just didn't have it. And uh, that was the end of that.
2: Yeah. And there was definitely points in Morton's start where it felt like it could have been worse too, to see like, yeah. there's a lot of base runners, Um, you know, obviously giving up two, two on homers is never good, but at the same time, it felt like it actually could have been worse. Um the Braves, I mean again, the Braves led both of these games that they lost. So it's one of those things that on the one hand it stinks and you start like, you know, like how much trust do you have in your bullpen, what's going on? And at the reality, reality is you're just kind of getting towards the end of a season, and some of these guys are gonna be a little bit gassed sometimes, and you're just not gonna you're not gonna get AJ Minter and Kenley Jansen on their best nights every single night going down the stretch here. Probably they're you know that there's a lot of miles on those arms. Uh, Charlie Morton is not a young man. He's going to have starts down the stretch here, where he's going to, you know, have not, again not have his best stuff, and it's where it all kind of lined up this, you know, this weekend, unfortunately, and you know, in a series that, you know, you would have liked to win uh, against a team that you may very well have to face in the playoffs. But I, I, I still feel like the Braves matched up well against them. Kenley just couldn't find the strike zone at all, and it was, you know, no. it, it's it was very uncharacteristic because when he misses, generally, it's not way out of the zone and he wasn't, you know, he he just didn't look like he was anywhere close to, to you know, where he was wanting to throw the ball and where it was ending up was not
1: particularly no, close. No, he, he definitely didn't have, I mean, there was actually, I, I don't think I was thinking this at the time, but people were kind of talking about like maybe that, maybe they, they could have almost pulled Kenley in the middle of the inning because he looks so bad. Like it wasn't like it was a situation where it was only a couple pitches that he missed on that was home runs or whatever. Like he just didn't look like he had anything at all um, command wise. And look, he's your closer. Like I, I get not pulling him. I'm not yeah, saying Smith that they should never do it. Exactly. Agreed. But I, it, it was bad enough where that's not, that's not the craziest idea in the world. I'll say that, but look, he hadn't, he hadn't, he had not a lot of runs since August 5th. Like it wasn't like Kenley has been in this like slog. He's, he's been good. Um, Even when he puts guys on base uh, on occasion, Again, he had not allowed a run since August fifth. So yeah, not not do? a lot
2: of clean not a lot of clean innings, but certainly not the Will Smith experience. You know the no. the, the, the the thing about Kenley is you know generally if he puts a guy on, you know he's going to get ground kind of ball. He doesn't get hit. He doesn't get hit hard ever. Uh, and you know that that double is one thing, but that infield single was pretty brutal. Yeah, uh, that was but, just unlucky. Uh, yeah. That is what it is. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you probably shouldn't hit a guy when you have no two count against them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know when you have the bases loaded, you kind of get what you get, and unfortunately, that's what happened on Saturday. So, uh, again, not something I'm super stressed about. It was good to see uh, Travis Dardot have a three run homer. He's had, um, offensively, he's been a little bit kind of, I would say, very hit and miss, uh, and seems to be the. The less superior offensive uh, player uh, in terms of amongst the catchers with William Contreras, but at the same time you can play both of them because Marcelo Zuna, rightly, is not being put in the lineup, so that kind of works out okay to have, especially when these both guys are hitting well. So, again, a bummer of a loss. Again, these are both games that were extraordinarily winnable, although Sunday was a weird game uh, in some respects in that regard, but. Uh, not something I'm drawing too many conclusions, conclusions from. Uh, at the end of the day, the 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 Cardinals' Devil Magic is strong, and that's kind of what happened to them.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's what I'll say on that one. Uh, to, to sort of break up the two losses, I uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna we're gonna do a a non-baseball tangent here for a second. Uh, Eric, we have to discuss the Adam Wainwright country song. Uh, Do we really? Yes, just because uh, it it sort of took over Twitter for a few minutes, even beyond uh, Braves and even Cardinals Twitter, because it was a national TV game. A lot of of extra eyeballs. uh, People that I I was interacting with this about, (laughs) not even Braves fans. Um, Just if you somehow didn't watch on Sunday or had not heard about this yet, ESPN, uh, again, this is a national broadcast. This is not a Cardinals broadcast. It was a national broadcast. Yes, they were in St. Louis. But uh, they played Adam Wainwright singing a full it wasn't a clip it was a full song in the middle of an inning like as he was pitching they were playing only this audio of him singing country song for like a what a minute minute and a half like it was a song level it was
2: it, it was a while
1: it was a long time and uh let's just say the internet did not necessarily enjoy that choice uh, it, it was just kind of bizarre because again this was in the middle of a competitive inning of baseball and it Wasn't a blowout. This is in the middle of a close game. He is pitching, and they are just literally the entire audio <laughs> is, 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 is Wainwright singing while he's pitching. And also, they went back to it in the outro of the inning. Uh, I just had yeah, to say, yeah. this was a bizarre choice as someone who watches um, a lot of baseball.
2: The, the entire broadcast, I will say that I'm pretty notorious for muting the broadcasts, so I think I,
1: the- I often do as well. And honestly, I usually watch the national ones more just because I feel like uh, I don't know what's going to be said. The local broadcast um we will avoid for now but i i don't listen most nights uh nationally i just kind of i kind of want to know what, what they're talking about most of the time and this is one of those like you know it's a night game marquee thing but i'm kind of with you i just happened to be listening tonight and uh, that would have even if i hadn't been listening it went so crazy on twitter that i would have found out what was going on because it was just a lot of yeah, reaction it,
2: uh, it was certainly bizarre the uh, ms paint uh little segment that they had as well was also um, yes a thing that happened um you know I, there was a point where Sunday night baseball broadcasts were good. And um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Is that I will say now like
1: it, it, it is, it is better now than it was in the A-Rod uh, in the A-Rod. It, it's a, it's, it's a, pretty low bar. It's better now than it was then, but it's not. that That,
2: that is, that that is the lowest of bars. I mean, like, yeah, I, there was, there, I there was a whole I, argument I, happening. Is, I'm not sure
1: if you saw this about like, what was better between uh, cause Saturday night was a Fox game, a uh, Fox national game with uh with Braves legend John Smoltz on the call who nobody likes uh, anymore. <laughs> so it is one of those things, like people were arguing you about what you would not worse. know. You and, would not
2: know that John Smoltz played for the Braves. If you listen to that broadcast, that's all I'm going to say. About well, and Smoltz.
1: even I, and look, I, I'm not like, this is not the Homer podcast where we complain about the announcers being un, being unbiased. I, I did think it was pretty hilariously uh, Cardinals uh, driven on Sunday because like every single bit that it, and, and granted you're in St. Louis. And I get that. That's part of the appeal of this like national broadcast is like you're showcasing the city that you're in, but they had Benji Molina in the broadcast booth in a full a uniform. Full, for
2: uniform, for full
1: uniform. That was incredible. Um, anyway, we'll get, we'll get off this, but I had to, I had to talk about the, the song because it was between that and the uniform thing for Benji Molina. It was just a lot going on. Um, yeah.
2: The, I, I hope that their post-production meeting about Sunday night baseball after this one, um, kind of revisits what their plan was there because that was, uh, yeah, that was something.
1: Okay, back to baseball after that short uh, sojourn. Um, So generally speaking, it was a maddening game on Sunday. Uh, The offense uh, for the first six innings was very unlucky. The Braves uh, in typical Cardinals double magic form, every single stat cast, every single eye test, uh, exit velocity, every single metric you want. Would tell you the Braves were hitting the ball a lot better than the Cardinals were through six innings, and it was tied at zero uh, through five anyway. And then it was actually the Cardinals leading, despite having much worse metrics than that. Uh, Dansby Swanson, though, had the uh, what we thought was going to be the biggest swing of the evening—a three-run home run to go from down two nothing to up three to two with two outs in the seventh. His first home run in a long time. Um, Scott, our fearless co-host, basically called it on Twitter. He talked about how, how Dansby had been struggling and said he was due. Um, and it was a big spot for him. And then he probably bombed. So, Scott, hello. Thank you for that. Um but, you know, at that moment, Eric, we were feeling pretty good about things. Um, I do want to go back to Odorizzi in a second, but uh, if you have anything else to add about that, because, you know, Dansby's been a big topic recently as well. He's been he's been kind of struggling in Dansby fashion uh, after his, of course, his scalding hot first half of the season. He has been uh, below average at the plate recently, but that was a heck of a swing and uh, kind of true to Dansby uh, right center field as well. Just a great, like, professional swing. And I was surprised got off, I got, got over the fence off the bat. But it was like a 418, like it was a real towering blast at the end of the day.
2: Well, turning around 100 mile an hour fastball, you yeah. definitely get a little bit of help uh, coming off the bat. And anyone hitting a home run on a pitch that's 100 miles an hour is wild to me just in general. So, you know, it was a really a, a good at bat over a, a, in a game where Dansby hadn't had a lot of good at bats. A lot of first pitch, you know, first pitch outs and then his first at bat. Now, we'll talk about one of those outs here in a second, but like his first at bat, he just like watched three pitches and, was, and then just sat back down like, you know, Wayne Wright just ate his lunch uh, on three pitches that were very clearly in the zone. So I'm not really sure what the was looking for, but that wasn't it, I guess. Um, so it was nice to see him get a good hit. He, You know, I, I, he had his first, that was his first home run since August 7th. The one before that was the middle of July.
1: So uh, so two of two home happens. runs in what's like six weeks something like that yeah yeah that was
2: the num- number three was tonight so it's it not not great by his standards um overall you know uh, Scott had posted you know in his when he was called when he kind of called things is that last thirty days Dansby had like a seventy three wrc plus which is not great
1: yeah I, uh, I so- pulled it earlier he had a six sixty one no sorry sixty six ops in forty one games before tonight. So like, that's like a quarter of the season, and he was a well below seven hundred OPS. That's not what you want necessarily.
2: Yeah, and and you know between his defense and just how good he was for a while, there he still managed to be like a top ten player in the National League uh, this year on the position side. So it's kind of wild. But let's. But one of his outs was a hundred and four mile an hour line out. It turned into a double play that doubled off Michael Harris at first. Yep. Then you have a 107 mile an hour line out from William Contreras, I believe. 108 mile an hour line out from Matt Olson. It felt like the, the devil magic was at work. And
1: I mean, at one point, at one point, they had these six, the Braves had the six hardest hit balls of the game. Four of those six were outs and they were losing two to nothing. <laughs> it was yep, like, OK, and, this is going and, well. The,
2: and, and to break up the Jake Odorizzi no-hitter, I hate to spoil it for folks, oh, yeah. but it, that went into the sixth inning was a 355-foot home run on a pitch that was probably three inches outside.
1: Yeah, it was and way outside. Hit, and, it was like and right the in the hit, first and, row. Like, and, yeah. that the,
2: and that the hitter had no idea where that ball went. No, he, I, he, thought, he, he thought it was foul. he thought it fouled. He thought it fouled it off. Yeah. And said, uh, again, th- this game was just, cardinals devil magic there's just all there is to it. i mean i mean the, the bullpen management got real weird i think that they're like the braves had like plans in place and they just abandoned those plans and that resulted in some really weird choices being made but overall just kind of you know the, the cardinals devil magic was back i'm just glad they didn't you know score like 10 runs in the first inning again or whatever
1: yeah we're not going to do what we would do in a playoff series and do like a 20 minute breakdown on the bullpen management tonight but uh to your point there um it was just a little bit odd all the way around um for one um Odorizzi who I know I kind of uh, took the side of a week ago and I think I still will do that now uh, just because I thought the panic level was pretty unreasonable a week ago from Braves fans on Odorizzi like he's not he's not my, basically if you miss this my, my take is that he's just kind of the guy he's always been which is a pretty good fourth fifth starter um and that's what he is uh versus last last week Braves fans were like ready to cut him um And this week he was really good, but like he's still the same guy he was before. Um, Regardless, though, they left him in after the you know, we all know that with a no hitter, he was never going to come out. But once he allowed the first hit, which was the home run to be losing, uh, he also was allowed to face Goldschmidt Naranato, the arguably two leading MVP candidates in the National League. Um, That was curious for the third time. Uh, And then they went to Dylan Lee. Who had been struggling, and he was the only guy in the bullpen at that point. So they were definitely not playing it as aggressive as you might think with the bullpen with a day off on Monday, um, in part because, like we kind of said earlier, they we assumed, anyway, at least I did, that they did not have AJ Minter and um, Iglesias available in this game because they had pitched Friday and Saturday. Uh, and I think by the way that Snicker operated this game, I think he didn't plan to use Minter because even beyond that i guess he i I didn't hear this but i was told by somebody on twitter that he at least the radio guys conveyed that they were trying to stay away from mentor and iglesias which i definitely believe like he does not usually use guys three days in a row so i think they just kind of operated like they weren't going to use mentor the whole time until they took the lead and it was like at that point okay we're gonna now we're gonna use him even though we weren't going to and he just didn't have his normal stuff either like colin McHugh, who pitched in the seventh, threw four pitches. Number one, <laughs> and then came out for Mentor. I guess because they were winning now instead of losing. That's all that changed. Okay, so,
2: so here, here's my fundamental problem with the, like the like the bullpen management makes up a lot more sense to me if against two arguably the best right-handed hitters in the National League right now, in Goldie and in Arenado. Why would you throw? the Lefty reliever that you have near your bullpen who's probably struggling the most versus throwing Colin McHugh, who's been good and is used to throwing multiple innings,
1: yeah. And that, you're, you're, talking about, you're, talking, you're talking about Dylan Lee, too. Like, if yeah, I don't so, know. so
2: like you, 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 so if you throw Colin McHugh against Arenado and Goldie, you don't have to throw Dylan Lee against them, then Wait. you can probably play, play some matchups as opposed to. You keep it, then you keep dealing Lee in for a hitter, and then you bring in Minter, and it turns into again, this kind of turns into a mess because now you don't have like a guy that you could potentially throw multiple innings if you're keeping the game close, which the game was close, as we know. Snickers, not next. Just, got, if, the, if, the, if the if the if the Braves are down one or two runs, that is no longer high leverage. We've made that joke on <laughs> the podcast,
1: a whole it was it's 100% true, though. It happened, it happened again in this game, and no, it, it, honestly, it felt like and. I don't I don't know this. Maybe he said it. We're recording obviously right after the game. So maybe he's maybe he even addressed this. I, I don't know if he was asked about it or not. It it really did feel like they were planning on having because other, this is the other thing. They probably would have had McHugh start the seventh if they had mentor available, right? Because why would Dylan Lee have started the seventh inning? Like Lee Lee finished the sixth. Why would he have started the seventh if McHugh was gonna? come in the seventh and not pitch the eighth it felt like they were trying he was trying to patch together without iglesias and without mentor and have mccue throw multiple innings not like full innings though like close the seventh open the eighth kind of thing did not feel like that to you that that's what it felt like to me like it felt like the whole reason to do what they did was to maybe try to use mccue to get to the ninth the way that it was going
2: it felt pretty scuffed. It felt like that they just like didn't know what, like they kept changing their minds as to what they wanted to do. And I know that like, look, when you take the lead, like that does kind of change. It, it does
1: change it. But the thing is like, if
2: you didn't uh, put yourself in a position to make good decisions
1: and Colin McHugh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Minter is Minter is better than McHugh, but Colin McHugh is a guy that you've invested real money in. Who's a good reliever. Like Colin McHugh is a capital G good relief pitcher. And you decided just because you took the lead that you had to go to mentor on again for the third consecutive day, which I'm not sure he's ever done that. Like, if he has, it's definitely on you can kind of on one hand the amount of times he's ever pitched three days in a row.
2: And, and, and against the same team, that's that's going to be tough
1: anyway, right? Like, it was just a strange had, setup all was, the way around.
2: Yeah, again, it, it just felt scuffed. I'm, and I'm not, there's a lot of things we don't know exactly who was available. You don't know
1: what. No, and we like, never, well, we what, never what, do what, what, for sure. And,
2: and what what if McHugh comes out and says, Hey, something doesn't feel right? You know, well, uh, and the fun, uh, and the, the funniest
1: thing, maybe of all, is that Minter recorded two outs in his stint, and the two outs were against Goldschmidt and Arenado. <laughs> yep.
2: And got <laughs> their two best then, hitters. And they gave up two, yeah, two home runs. The two home runs he gave up were not cheapies. Um, no, they were bombs. Uh, you know, uh, Tommy Edmond.
1: That was the first pitch at least like Edmund was kind of just ambushed one. It was the first pitch of, uh, that Mitchell threw the whole game. So that, that just happens. Like it's unfortunate, but the, the O'Neill one was like, you know, that was a regular situation. There was no, there was no ambush there. It just got hit. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> definitely. would it Definitely would have been better if, you know, Austin Riley hadn't made an error that would have prolonged that, that inning. Might've
1: ended the inning. Yes. Uh, that, that was actually um, conveniently that left off the analysis by like our, our friends, uh, most places. It's just, it's always funny to me uh, who gets the attention when things go wrong. And, uh, Austin is popular and does not usually ever get any any, any negative attention.
2: <laughs> all, all I will say is that if I mean look Austin Riley has been so good. He's been awesome. all year. He needs to spend the entire offseason learning how to feel balls and coming in on balls. If I was get... actually
1: surprised that, that that they called that an error a little bit. Not that it was it should have been an error. Let me say that. It it, it wasn't like a terrible 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 play.
2: But no, it, was, it, it was it was not.
1: a pr- it was a prime example. It was, a har- it was
2: it was hard, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a prime example of one of those plays that often is not Uh, remembered or captured in like a traditional score way. And this one was because they called it an error, but they could have called that a hit pretty reasonably, I thought. Um, And they didn't. But it's one of those things like that's the kind of play that if you're wondering why Riley gets picked on by the metrics, that's that's one of the reasons why. Um, One of them. Obviously, there's range stuff too and all that stuff, but it it was just a that that was kind of just like uh, left off from the (laughs) analysis that I saw. Like there was like basically no one mentioning that that would have ended the inning, (laughs) not 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 at the time, but that would have been a big out to get. Let's just say, and that that was they didn't get that one. So Minter was bad, third day in a row. Like Minter, by the way, had not allowed a run, I think, the entire month of August until today. Yeah, the entire month of August.
2: Kenley and AJ had made a poor timing in terms of not having great starts, great appearances rather, but overall, you know, I'm, I'm, I refuse to kill, kill them over. Just not, you know, it just, sometimes they line up like that and you lose a couple games as a result of it. Uh, And, you know, again, that was a tough play that Riley had to make, but it was, you know, I I hope it highlights that one of the the biggest things that hurts his outs above average, you know, and all of his other defensive metrics is that coming in on balls he's not particularly good at. It's why that it's one of the reasons why you see teams, being willing to at least try to square up and bunt because you know, going to the third base side, you could very well uh, get some positive things happening. It's exactly what happened. Um,
1: and the, min- yeah, the mentor thing you said it like the mentor thing, like if you're like super mad at AJ Minter right now, like I, I, you know, he gave up the lead and they lost the game, but like he had been awesome for a month. Yeah. Like it's just I, guys I'm, are not I'm, gonna I'm, be perfect every night, it is what it is. Um, I'm, I'm not, third day I'm not even row, sure that.
2: Yeah, and I'm also I'm not sure that that pitch to Tyler O'Neill was even all that bad. That's a place that I think he wants to throw to that guy. Uh, kind of up and like, uh, up and away is not where, you know, he necessarily, Tyler O'Neill is known for exactly where his power comes from. Now the pitch to Tommy Edmond was 97 down the middle and Tommy Edmond was guessing 97 down the middle
1: all the whole way. Yeah, that's, that's that was a perfect feeling. storm kind of thing. That was, a yeah, uh, yeah. they they were almost still in the commercial break <laughs> coming out. I was like, oh, now the game is tied. Um, yeah, they're
2: still, they're, they're still queuing up uh, part two of the Adam Wainwright song. You know, oh to get Lord. Net, Net ready.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, again, these games matter. This is a good, they're playing a good opponent on national TV back to back nights, and you have your your late inning bullpen guys blow back to back leads. Like that is a very frustrating sequence, and no one is saying otherwise. I, I get Braves fans are exasperated by those two losses, and I totally get it. I think the true result of those two games was maybe one and one. Um, they're both very close games. Kind of uh, you know, of course the Braves did lead Saturday's game almost the entire way. But tonight's game was a back and forth. Like they the Braves were winning for what five minutes of the game? Something like that. Yeah, not
2: like, yeah, certainly not very long. That, that they, they took they took the lead and then it was fast. gone.
1: Uh so it was uh you know I think maybe if you played you know tonight's game they I'm not sure they were supposed to win tonight's game more than 50% of the time. But it is what it is. Like they it's frustrating. The Carls are a real team though to lose two or three there on the road is not a disaster like we said at the very top of the podcast a four and two week if you told me that six if you told me that seven days ago um you have to take four and two um obviously five and one would, would have been better but you know four and two is four and two you got to just take it and run with it especially on the road i mean i don't yeah. I, we all know pittsburgh's terrible but if if it, i'll say this to you eric if if the, if the series were flipped and you won two of three in pittsburgh and two of three in, in St. Louis. It's the same result. Does it feel better? I guess maybe a little bit, but it, it, it's the same result in the standings. So, whatever. it
2: it, it, cer- it certainly feels better. Uh, I know that Braves fans are not particularly fans fan of the Cardinals and they like
1: beating them, you know, beating them senseless. And... When well, they lose every Sunday, as I we think, talked about in this podcast, like every week, they, they lose every Sunday for us. It's always great. And, for us. and Thank you.
2: probably more at the forefront of Braves fans' minds is that the Mets somehow managed to lose to the Cardinals one to nothing. Uh, I mean, not the Cardinals, the Rockies. To so the Rockies, thing. yes, yeah. And uh, so there they, was a chance probably, to get they, to get they, back to they, they wanted to get back another game, and it's super frustrating that you, when you get an opportunity uh, in this race in particular, where it just feels like every chance you have to, you know, to close that gap really matters. And it's true. I mean, you know, you run out of games, and you have to take advantage of those opportunities. But I mean, neither one of these teams likes to lose all that often, you know, when you have a four and two week and it feels like a disappointment that kind of speaks to the quality of the baseball that's coming out of really both those teams right now. So, but I'm, I'm not, again, not something that I'm worried about. You, you have to be willing to take four and two weeks. That's just all there is to it, even though it stinks when, you know, the, the, the team you're trying to catch, you know, and to be able to put a little bit of distance ahead of you.
1: Yeah, if the order was different, maybe if they had uh, had the had the loss, the the chance the of loss on Friday and then a blowout win on Saturday. So that, so that it wasn't back to back days of late inning losses that would feel better. But again, uh, four and two, that's not so bad. Um, before we get to sort of a look ahead and kind of where we're on the standings, um, Ozzy Albies is going to be making a rehab assignment. Apparently this week, they say they think midweek probably. Um, that gets uh, pretty interesting and by the way we, there was sort of a deep dive on this topic from Chris and Steven earlier this week on the podcast feed about like kind of what happens when Ozzy comes back when Arcia comes back etc we don't have to do all that but uh, clearly awesome that Ozzy's gonna get, gonna get close that's it becomes uh,
2: did, did, I, uh, I, did, did Chris do 20 minutes on when Vaughn Grissom needs to be sent down to the minors
1: he he did not do that and by the way Vaughn uh, quietly I think is I think he's like one of his last 17 or O of his last 17 uh, the yeah, reckoning was, is he was, probably here a little bit for Vaughn which is okay it yeah. was always going to happen so no problem but he's been cold recently and uh, you know it, we, we talked about it, I think on like two weeks in a row of shows but uh, it is not a problem that the Braves will have too many good players you can't have that problem just, that, that problem does not exist so they'll have to figure out what to do with everybody when they get back but it's, it's not a problem I promise it's okay
2: yeah and you know things are going to get busy and you know that's kind of what's going on in the minor leagues right now you have Ian Anderson you know, trying to get right. Uh I don't recommend looking at his Gwinnett line from his first start. It wasn't uh, down there in, uh he got beat up a bit. He was throwing a lot of strikes though, so you have that going for him. Unfortunately, the rest of it wasn't very good, gave a bunch of runs. Um Mike Soroka had an, had another rehab start, got up to seventy five pitches, had a one bad inning where a bunch of ground balls got through and he ended up giving up some he gave up four runs in an inning, but you know, the rest of it was fine. Um gets in you know pitches four or five innings something like that gets to 75 pitches the goal is to keep him healthy orlando Arcia also uh, was rehabbing had a couple hits the other night so the braves are very soon going to be have a whole lot of healthy players and have to make some roster decisions as to what they're going to be doing with you know some of the guys they have on the roster currently uh, i am very interested to see how those decisions go uh, one decision in particular as to whether or not they continue to have a a certain designated hitter uh, continue to be on the roster and taking a <laughs> roster space uh, yep. and force and forcing the Braves to be base. based uh, find uh, you know, basically running one man short uh on the offensive side. I mean, uh, they, they
1: really are I mean, it's, it's, as much as we piled on last week. And I think rightly so, if, if I'm being honest about them starting Ozuna, was it last Friday? I think it was in the field.
2: I can't remember um, the exact game. But
1: they're, they're, ob- they are very obviously trying not to play him uh most of the time. Like they're basically operating a man short which is not what you want to be doing in the middle of a playoff race. Like, that's not good for anybody. Um, one of the popular theories, and again, I want to, I want to recommend listening to that whole longer, longer chat between Chris and Steven. One of the popular theories is maybe maybe when Ozzy comes back, that's your cue to move on from Marcel. But I think it's probably not going to happen if I had to guess. I still think that um, according to that Rosenthal report, et cetera, they might just wait for the legal stuff to play out. But man, it's tough to play a man down. I mean, it, it, it's less it's less tough in September when you have uh, two extra roster spots to play with, but uh, they don't want to play him very obviously. So I wouldn't want to play him either. To be, <laughs> well, to be yeah, cleaner,
2: and, and it matters less because you have the DH. You don't need as many of those bench spots. You but, do not.
1: Yeah, but if you have injuries um, like it, like on the night, the day that he played was the, that was the um, stated rationale was that they had the two guys down. They still could have played Heredia, which I pointed out at the time. But uh, you know, with Ronnie needing a day off every once in a while, you know, Eddie Rosario is not a young man necessarily. Like in terms of like his, he's not always the most spry guy out there. Like they could be down a guy or two any given night and have to do something crazy. But, you know, in in a few days, still have 28 guys on the roster and we'll see what happens. But I don't know. We'll get, into, we'll get into all of it, but when Ozzy comes back, that just helps you. I understand there's this whole discussion about Vaughn and Dansby and the future, and we'll have time for that, I promise. And we'll probably do some of it along the way because, you know, Dansby and the Braves extension talks apparently got uh, confirmed again by Rosenthal. They're still talking. Dansby talked about on the record this week, trying to have, uh, trying to, that he wants to stay in Atlanta. Not surprising, but, uh, and there's that whole, there was a whole, I'm sure you saw this, uh, back and forth on Twitter with people about like, what they should do with Vaughn and Ozzy, and it's like keep them all would be the best plan. <laughs> uh, that but that, we'll that,
2: that 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 should, in fact, be the plan. Um, again. Uh the vonda left field discussion certainly one that's going to be ongoing
1: i'm not sure i am intrigued played. by that i am intrigued by that i will say uh we'll, we'll do that uh, more robbie, at a later date I w- but i'm intrigued.
2: I, w- I will say that also that robbie grossman's been much better than i thought he was going
1: robbie right. grossman so, has right. been like capital g good uh, i'm not sure you can rely on that to continue but we did like that move like as a low-cost flyer but uh true to form whenever they get anyone apparently at the, at the deadline they're going to just be able to play well for them i don't know that that's going to happen just forever but it's happening again it seems like with grossman so
2: yep he and you know they, they basically make one change to his left handed swing and all of a sudden he's getting hit in big home runs on the left side and so again there's a lot of there's there's some roster and I'm, I'm very curious it's kind of how it all shakes out uh september helps a bit because you have a few extra spots but we're
1: three days away from september as we record it, it, it just became august 29th as we're recording this now eric we're we're past midnight so uh, uh we're almost there yeah september yeah, one man. is nearing i have to
2: wake up and what four hours that's pretty exciting
1: i'm with you all the way uh will we'll end the podcast shortly but i will say uh before we get out of here the braves are back to three games behind the mets unfortunately with the loss on sunday uh they have a 20 percent chance to win the division per 538 i tweeted this out the other day uh some of the odds for fangrass 538 and braves fans predictably were like wait that's really low and i agreed it was probably a little bit lower than i thought it was like in the mid-20s one of the reasons why is actually something that Steven's pointed out and I think is spot on for this. Uh, because of the changes this year, there is no tiebreaker game or the game, 16, game 163. So uh, it is head-to-head only. So if two teams tie, it's head-to-head. And the Braves are currently losing the head-to-head series with the Mets 9-7. to Now, the Braves do play them three more times. So if the Braves were to sweep the Mets in the last series uh, that they play – that that would give them the edge but you can't bank on a sweep as we talked about earlier on the podcast you can't just assume a sweep I think the most likely outcome of course is the Mets will win the season series the Braves still can win it but if you treat that like like a tiebreaker you could say the Braves are like more more actively for, for projection's sake down four games than three and that is a meaningful thing with this small of a sample size of one month remaining that does really matter again the Braves could still sweep them but uh, that season series tiebreaker is something you have to keep an eye on because if it's if it's functionally one more game, uh, that is not great news if you're trying to uh, work out the math.
2: Yeah, and you're. I think that a lot of that is going to be actually be settled over the course of the next week and a half or so, because you know, we'll get into it a little bit. The Braves are going to they have the off day on Monday and then they have. Two home series against the Rockies, who are really bad. Two very fa- uh, very favorable and, home
1: series this week. Yep, yes. and
2: and then and then uh you have th- three games at home against the Marlins, which are also were also not good, although they continue to be spooky to me because they have you know Sandy Alcantara and some pitchers who actually can throw the
1: ball. They're not they're not as bad, by the way, as the Pirates and the Rockies. Like the Marlins are not good, but they have a run differential that is minus 70 or so right now. Like that's they're not good. But that's like a almost directly in the middle of the pack of the National League. Like, there's basically seven good teams in the National League, and then the Giants are like the middle team at eight, and then you could argue the Marlins are the next team behind them. So, yeah, well, maybe, I could see maybe, that. maybe the Diamondbacks. It's one of either the Marlins or Diamondbacks are you know either either nine or ten in the National League right now. So they're not good, but the Marlins, to your point, there are not like horrific in the way the Pirates and the uh, Rockies are. So.
2: No. Whereas the Mets have a three-game series against the Dodgers. Now the Mets are at home, uh, which does matter in some well, respects. The, the, but the, the Dodgers are the Dodgers are the Dodgers. The, uh, the, the, the Dodgers are probably the last team the Mets want to see right now. Uh, but then the Mets get the Nationals, and then they
1: get the Pirates. Eric, do you know the do you know the Dodgers record right now? Uh, I I do. It's in front of me. The Dodgers are eighty-eight and thirty-eight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody tweeted this out the other day, and I had to check it, and it's still true now. The Dodgers have a better run differential than the Braves and the Mets. Two very, very, very good teams combined. The Dodgers have a yeah, plus 285 run differential.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right the, the Mets can, the Mets can have fun with that. I'm not, Ludicrous. you know, if
1: uh, so yeah, go, go Dodgers is the, uh, is the short answer there this weekend against the Mets. That's that game set. That's that's happening in New York Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But, uh, you know, as many has talked, many have talked about this. The Mets have a very favorable schedule the rest of the way. Um, so Especially after the Dodgers series, yeah. so uh, it would be nice if the Dodgers will win some games. Uh, this is probably the only week of the season remaining where the Braves have an easier schedule than the Mets, because the Braves have those two easy series we talked about with the Rockies and the Marlins, yeah, so, and
2: followed by Oakland, who I don't know yeah. where the where the, the they rank amongst the worst teams in the league, but they're right there with them. So Oakland's very you know,
1: bad. They, Although they did just beat the Yankees twice in a row, which is funny. um And that's by the way, baseball again, as we talk about all the time on the podcast, but. Uh, this is a big week to your point. I I think if, if the Braves go out and post a four and two, five and one kind of week at home, that would be very useful against two bad teams. And then you're just hoping the Dodgers do Dodger stuff to the Mets. That's, that's the hope this week. And you can close the gap a little bit because if you get it, if you keep it within, you know, one or two, um, after this week, um, being in as three right now, you want to make up, I would say you want to get at least one game off the Mets this week. I would say just given the schedules, um, So we'll see if that happens, but that, that'd that be pretty, pretty useful over the next, over the next seven days, both teams off on Monday. So there's nothing really to, to sweat if you're a Braves fan on Monday, short of like the big picture stuff, but uh, Tuesday through Sunday, both teams in action every night and uh, you want to steal one, hopefully.
2: Yeah. You have to hope. Uh, and you have to hope that the Mets stumble a little bit too, you know, maybe it'd be nice if they, you know, for however it would be possible, that the nationals even did some damage against them, but. Again, you can't really bank on this at this point. At the end of the day, the Mets are playing really good baseball right now. They're they a really easy schedule the rest of the way. So, you know, the the Braves just have to handle – I mean, it's one of those things where if the Braves play, you know, if they basically have four and two weeks the rest of the season, you take that every time, uh, and it still might not be enough to win this division, which, again, it just kind of speaks to what the Mets are doing right now. It's well, that's actually actually
1: that's that's a great point. I mean, if you, this is obviously a, it's sort of simple math, but if the Braves were to go four and two every week – that's a winning percentage that you would love. That's a, that's a hundred plus win pace. Uh, and that may not be enough to pass the Mets with this sample size. Cause the Mets, um, given their schedule and their team quality, you probably project them to play not quite that well, but they have a three game lead that might be four when you factor in the tiebreaker. So uh going to have to, going to need some help from the Mets. I would imagine like I, I the Braves could certainly close on an absurd run. Uh, they have 33 games remaining. The, um, could they go out and play, you know, twenty-five and eight baseball? They could do that. Could you bank on that? No, you can't. Pro- you can't project twenty-five and eight. So you probably one, gonna need some help.
2: One thing that I'm keeping an eye on, and Chris mentioned this in the Slack the other day, is that the Mets are basically having to throw Adam Ottavino and Edwin Diaz basically every night. And yeah, they don't. They don't have a
1: lot of depth in the bullpen. That's and,
2: true. And, and and they don't have a lot of depth in that rotation either. So. I don't think it's necessarily a lock that the brave that the Mets, just like you know, go like twenty two and three oh, no, or whatever. Definitely like, not. No, but no. at the but the, things could get interesting. But right right now, it's based on the strength of schedules and stuff. It's going to be tough to overcome this deficit, and it's not anything the Braves are necessarily doing. A's and draw.
1: No, I, we said this last week on the show. It's I think it's still true now. As of yesterday, I know this is true. The Braves were currently had their best winning percentage since 2003 and they had their best run differential per game since 1998 and they're not winning the division
2: (laughs) we're we're, we're not going to talk about that 98
1: i understand i'm just saying like uh there we talked about this a little bit more last week too so i'm repeating myself but there's this feeling because of nothing the braves have done It's because it's basically just because the Mets are playing but the Mets are playing great that this has been like a braves team has not been as good as expected like this is a team that's playing literally the best the franchise has played short of the world series run itself uh in almost 20 years like this has been a very 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 good team
2: the, to this point. the Bra- the braves fans complaining right now were are the same are very similar to like packers fans that complain when their team is 13 and 3 and that's because like the vikings have like a one-off season where they go 15 and 1 And, you know, and there's a lot of like, again, I've kind of been making fun of. Oh God, I just,
1: I just noticed this, Eric, this is bad news. Uh, The Mets at the moment have the second easiest remaining schedule in baseball. And that includes the Dodgers series. So once the Dodgers series is over, I'm pretty confident. uh, They'll be number one. one. (laughs) I would have
2: guessed number one, just by looking at the schedule. I mean, that, that schedule is soft. It's really soft. It's really soft. They they, they still, with the notable Go ahead. The Dodgers and the notable exception. Of going against the World Series champion Atlanta Braves.
1: Yeah, they have see. three. Basically, the Mets have three difficult series remaining. It is the Dodgers this week. That is the Brave series, and then they play the the Brewers one. They put the, the Brewers one more time. But they also have seven left against the Pirates, six against the against the Nats, five against the Marlins, three against the A's, three against the Cubs. Like they just uh, don't play a lot of tough teams. I, Stunk. I,
2: I, I need so. some of these bottom dwellers to play spoiler. Figure it out. Make it happen. Eric, no I'm, not, I'm
1: not sure if you've heard this before uh, in the midst of the never-ending uh, debate between Mets fans and Braves fans about strength of schedule, that uh, division teams basically play the same schedule. I'm not sure if you know this over the course of the season, Eric, but a uh, uh, little known fact here, division rivals basically play the same schedule. It's it's just breaking news. I want to let everybody know that over the course of the season. So. You heard it here first. Whenever a Mets fan tells you that the Braves have only been this close because they played a soft schedule, remind them that the teams play the same schedule.
2: I mean, (laughs) I would complain if I had to play against the Braves this much too. So, you know, I I guess it is. I understand.
1: All right, Eric. Well, we have said lots of things. It is post-midnight into Monday at this point in time. Please plug anything you've got going on. I know we have been cooking on the minor league side as well. The season's going strong. I learned something new today um, that I probably knew already, but I've forgotten that basically – The minor league schedule goes deeper into September than it usually used to. Um, That's nice for content. It probably is not nice for your sleep schedule, but uh, what's going on on the minor league side and everything else? Uh,
2: Well, things are slowly winding down. The Florida Coast League and the Dominican Summer League, they just ended this past week. Uh, So then we have the lower minors. They end on September 11th. Then the Mississippi goes about one month after that. And then Gwinnett runs through the end of the the month, uh, presumably just to kind of have guys playing in case they need to do any call ups for any injuries or anything like that, so things are winding down on our end. Uh, we're going to be having a kind of a rookie ball, you know, Dominican Summer League, Florida Coast League roundup that I am supposed to be having in my hands to hopefully post by tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to talk to Matt about that, make sure that's actually happening. So keep an eye out for that. We're you know, and as things wind down, we're going to start doing rolling into our mi- minor league reviews where we talk about each of our each individual player that was you know of notes uh, how their years went and things like that. that will kind of roll in once the, as seasons are starting to end and we're kind of starting to get more off season content, but make sure that you follow uh, me at Leprechaun with a K. You can also follow Garrett at Braves M-I-L-B. Make sure you listen to road to Atlanta tomorrow, where we give everyone an update uh, and follow Brad Rowland for your, your uh, all your Hawks needs. He's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he, he, he is, he, he is quite the source of information for both Braves and Hawks information. Um, and, you know, if you want to tweet your takes about, you know, university of michigan football um you know thoughts on what how the falcons are going to do this year all those things are things brad loves to hear so make sure you make sure you send him a tweet
1: i disagree uh no i'm kidding uh bring it on folks we try to interact people as much as possible as long as you're respectful i will definitely try to answer i do i respond to everybody i'm i'm a great i'm a very active responder i will answer questions as long as people are respectful i will i will write them back uh if they're not respectful, that, that gets different, but that's for the most part, people are nice and uh, we are, you
2: are a better man than I, we
1: want to answer questions when they are asked. So, uh, but yes, please subscribe to this podcast. Please follow Eric and all the minor league crew follow Chris Willis and everybody that's rights on the site, Demetrius, uh, you know, read re, Ivan, everybody read them all Batterypower.com, And then also one more time, please subscribe to this podcast, five-star ratings reviews, etc. Um you can cheat and help us by subscribing across platforms and downloading across platforms. Um downloading over and over again is very helpful if you want to support the podcast. People always ask us that. Uh that's the best way to do it is to unsubscribe and subscribe to download and click around on podcasts. That's uh Kind of uh, gaming system, but we will definitely take your support, so we really appreciate all the people that are listening to the show on a regular basis. Shouts to Sean Coleman for hosting Daily Hammer, uh, Eric for doing Double Duty with Road to Atlanta and this podcast, Scott, Chris, Stephen, etc. We're all here for you, and uh, with all that said, enjoy the week, and uh, we'll be back next time. <laughs>